I want to ask uh, you to turn with me tonight in your copy of God's Holy Word to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I'm uh, going to read verses 7 through 18 and then skip down to 25 through 30. I'm going to share with you tonight the message entitled, God's Great Interest is Life. God's Great Interest is Life. John chapter 10, and I begin reading in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Here he speaks of the Gentiles, us. And they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And now going down to verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one." May God add his blessings to the reading of his word tonight. God's great interest is life. In your past week's Bible study and Sunday school lesson, it referred to Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2 through verse 9, and it was about the protecting of the life of Moses. When Pharaoh decreed that each male Hebrew child would be killed as it was delivered. In fear of the rising strength of the Hebrew people, he decided and decreed that these children would be killed. But in Exodus chapter 1, we are told that the midwives feared God more than Pharaoh. And they protected the life of Moses. 
And we know, most of us know the history, and if you don't, that's okay. That's why we come to learn that God would use that life of Moses to lead his people out of slavery, out of bondage, out of Egypt, of where they would be for 400 years. Moses led in that great exodus as they left the land of Egypt and traveled through the wilderness, and God would eventually bring them to the promised land. It was a true event, a mighty event, but it was also a foreshadowing of a greater exodus that we who know Jesus Christ will be a part of one day. That Jesus Christ came and God sent His only Son. That whosoever would believe would have everlasting life. It would not perish and die and spend eternity separated from a loving God. God's great interest is life. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Today we see that in many cases life is expendable. By expendable it means easily replaced or not worth saving. Not meant to be saved or meant to be used and then thrown away. It's expendable. But that's not the picture that we see in the Bible. That God's great interest is life because He loves the life of His people, and He sent His Son into the world. Jesus Christ, in this text that we read tonight, to, to truly grasp uh, the beauty of chapter 10, you have to go back to chapter 9. Because it's no accident that it's placed there. And in chapter 9, it's almost comical, really, at some points. And you see a man born blind, and he's begging and Jesus and the disciples are passing by, and the disciples even ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus answered, it was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. It was then that Jesus healed him. And that man, for the first time in his life, saw the world around him. And then you go through the Pharisees' Uh, bring this man in for questioning. And there's a great stir going on, and they're upset that this man had been healed. And they want answers. They call in the parents. And the parents are in fear of being kicked out of the synagogue. So they say, well, ask my, our son. He's of age. And so they brought him in. And then you almost see this comical relay, this conversation between this man and the leaders, the religious leaders, those that were supposed to be leading this man and rejoicing in life and leading him to God. And yet, what did they do? They kicked him out of the synagogue. Now you think about that. They were the, the people that were supposed to be shepherding God's people. They were, they were the people that were supposed to be leading people to the glory of God and out of envy, strife, and jealousy and because... They couldn't answer the questions. They kicked this man out of the synagogue. And then you see in the latter part of chapter 9, after this had happened, it said, and they cast him out in verse 34. They kicked him out. Probably for life or many years. And Jesus had heard that they cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus came back to this man. He answered 
And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came to this world, that those who do not say, see may see, and those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard this. And then we get into chapter 10, and it makes sense why Jesus, why, why the, the writer John, the apostle John, would put it in this context. This story has just happened. And then he goes into what we know as chapter 10 as one of the great I am's. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. You cast this man out. I give him life. You were supposed to take care of him, but he was expendable to you. You cast him out. I forgave his sins. You dropped him a few loose pieces of loose change, but I gave him sight. It's because of what I'm doing, what I came to do is to give life. The Father loves me because He sent me into the world to do His will, and God's great interest is life. I am the true shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Everybody else runs. Everybody else treats life when it becomes difficult as expendable. But I've come. The thief comes. Satan comes to steal life, to kill life, to destroy life. And that's what we see all around us in the world today. Death, hopelessness, pain and hurt. And those that claim to be our shepherds turn their back toward us and cast us out when our lives become too difficult for them to manage. Jesus does not do that. Jesus has said, when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And he said, I've come that you would have eternal life. I give them eternal life. And so when we look at life through the gospel lens, and we see the gospel story of Jesus Christ, the gospel story of God in the Bible, that his great interest is life, we see first that the gospel protects human life. Here in these verses, we see that the gospel protects human life from sin and from the destruction of sin. The wages of sin is death, so the gospel protects us from death. That when one blessed is the one that dies in the Lord because they know that their reward is great and eternal. God removes the sting and the pain of death from us. He saves us. He protects us from sin, from destroying ourselves with our own sin or the, being destroyed by the sin of others. He protects us and removes the sting of death from His children, but He also protects us from the coming judgment of God. The wrath of God upon the earth when that day of judgment comes. The gospel protects human life, but also the gospel preserves human life, does it not? Not only does it protect us from sin and death and judgment, but it preserves our human life, our daily living. It preserves us from hopelessness, living a life with no purpose. It protects us from the storms of life, knowing that God will complete the good work He started in us. That the Good Shepherd never runs when the storm hits, but he lays down his life for the sheep. 
The promises of I will always be near you. I'll always be with you. I will protect you. The flood will not kill you. The flame will not destroy you. You are in my hand. You're in the Father's hand. And no one is able to pluck you out of that. God preserves human life. It's the gospel story. But also God prepares human life for eternity in heaven. This life is but a vapor. It is short. It is a breath. It fades quickly as the flowers and the grass of the field. But God uses this short vapor of a life to prepare us for eternity. He changes us. When we receive Jesus Christ and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of promise, He begins a new work in us. And we are born again, regenerated by His power. And He begins to bring fruit from our labor. Fruit that will not only be experienced in this life, but even more abundantly in the life to come. He prepares us for an eternal home. In John chapter 14, what did He tell His disciples? I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'll come get you. God not only protects human life, He preserves human life, and He prepares human life for eternity in heaven. This is the gospel story. That God's great interest is life. I ask you today, brothers and sisters, how much, how many of our social problems would be fixed if we would just look through the gospel lens upon the world? The gospel answers the questions to all the things that ail us, to all the sin. That racks our nation and our world. The gospel lens shows us the answer to death and eternal life. And we see the love of God and the work of Jesus Christ, the ministering Holy Spirit in our life. We see not the Bible as an antiquated book that men wrote, but the wonderful words of what? Life. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. God's great interest is life, beloved. This is the gospel story. It protects human life. It preserves human life. It prepares human life for eternity in heaven. And then the question is, is this not our duty and responsibility as the church today to do the same through the power and strength of Jesus Christ? We too, who have had the gospel shine in our hearts, who've been given the gospel lens to look through, should also seek and be advocates and voices to protect human life at every stage. To preserve human life. To pour our life of hope into their hopeless estate. To share with them the love of God that He has for them and the good news of the gospel. To be a friend. To nourish them. To hold their hands through their storms of life. And also it is the church's duty and call to prepare people for eternity in heaven. To share with our friends the good news of Jesus Christ. The hope of salvation. The true eternity. To share with them the truth that this life is but a vapor. 
And the sin of this world and the things of this world cannot save us or bring fulfillment to us, but only can we find fulfillment and hope and purpose in the God that created us and knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb and sent His only Son to redeem us. He gave us a good shepherd, a true shepherd, the one shepherd that laid down His life for the sheep. This is our responsibility to lead them to the hand in which they can never be plucked out of. The hand of God. Beloved, no law or so-called rights that we believe are ours is higher than our God-given duty to protect life at every stage. I... Read that again. No law or so-called rights that we believe are ours is higher than our God-given duty to protect life at every stage, to preserve the value of human life and prepare human life for eternity. We have been given that God-given duty. And why? Because someone did their duty to lead us to the gospel of life to lead us to the giver of life. Aren't you glad of that tonight? Of the person or the people that God put in your path that took your hand and led you to the righteous right hand of God in which you found life eternal? We have a God-given duty that have been received through the gospel to look at all life through this gospel lens. And we too are called to protect. We too are called to preserve human life and prepare human life for eternity. In my daily readings, I came across Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 23. And it says this, In all toil there is profit. In other words, in all work there's profit. But mere talk tends only to poverty. If you work, there's profit for your labor. But if you just talk, nothing really gets done. It reminds me of that old saying, do you walk the walk or just talk the talk? And if you just talk the talk, you can talk real good. But if you don't labor to protect and preserve and prepare There's no fruit from that. Nothing really gets done. We must not only talk about protecting life, but we must work to do so. And beloved, I want to say that goes for all life. From that beautiful human being with a heartbeat in its mother's womb to the last wing of the nursing home in a dark room. And everything in between, red and yellow, black and white, from those hurting, from mental disabilities, to the policeman, to the, to the soldier, everybody, and, and I want to say this, even to those who have had abortion and need help and forgiveness and love and freedom through Jesus Christ, all life is valuable because God's great interest is saving life. As I look out on this Wednesday night, I believe I know the answer to this, but I can never take that for granted. Is your life in the hand of Jesus Christ? Is your life in the hand of the Father? 
Have you trusted Jesus Christ with your life? If not, tonight you can do that. Maybe some even watching on Facebook Live tonight. Tonight you can do that. You can call out to the Good Shepherd that laid down His life for you and for me. He came to protect our life from sin and death and the judgment of God. He came to preserve our life and keep us from just living to living abundantly and eternally. He came to prepare us for an eternal home that He's gone on to prepare for us. And He's coming back for a sheep because He is the Good Shepherd. The thief has come and killed and stolen and destroyed many things and will continue in this world. But there is one that has come. Is He your shepherd? Do you hear His voice tonight? If so, call out to Him. Put your faith and believe in the name and the person and the work of Jesus Christ, whom God sent His only Son, that you might believe and have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, first we rejoice with exceedingly great joy that You did not leave us in our sin and in the situation and the grips of death, but Your loving kindness, in Your loving kindness and patience, You came to us when we could not come to You. And when we rejected You, Lord, You still came to us. While we were still yet in our sin, You came to us, Lord, and we thank You for that. I pray for each person in this room tonight, and maybe by some watching on Facebook, Lord, that tonight all of these would know eternal life through Jesus Christ. Bless them, Heavenly Father, with Yourself. The world will leave them, but You never will. We rejoice in that promise tonight. And God, empower Your church with the strength of the Holy Spirit, wielding the sword, Lord Jesus, of the Word of God, that that we would be that voice, that advocate to also do Your work, to protect, preserve, and prepare, Lord Jesus, at every stage of life. And because Your great interest was life, may our great interest be life too. Move in our midst tonight, Lord Jesus, as You will and see accordingly. Amen.